is wonderful to be here, genuinely. It's amazing to be, I don't know, three, four thousand miles from England and to sing exactly the same songs on a Sunday morning. Literally the same songs. Hallelujah. It's just great to be together and actually to be joined together through Jesus, that we are spiritually one um, through the Holy Spirit. It's so awesome to be here. Uh, as Vinu has said, my name is Tom. Uh, I think we have a slide, Mark, with a picture of my family. You want to see my family? Yeah, yeah that's good. There they are. Um, so uh, I'll get out of the way because they're much prettier to look at than me. The, the, the lady on the right is uh, my wife, Josie, or Josephine. Uh, she says, hello. And uh, the middle one is Daisy. She's 10 years old. This one is Lily. She's 9 years old. And then on the other side, there's Poppy, who is 5 years old. And uh, my wife was very, very jealous that I got to come to India. And uh, she was at home in England. Um, but they say hi from, from England, and they're thinking of us uh, here today. Yes, absolutely. No more boys. No boys. I'm, we're stopped. We're stopped now. Three is enough. And I love girls. I, you know, if someone had said to me uh, before I had kids, would you, what would you want? I'd probably go, oh, boys, you know. I'm so grateful. I've got girls. I, they are a joy. I really mean, they're such a joy. And my friends who have boys are like, they're exhausted because the boys like, wow, you know, wild kind of, I mean, they're lovely. I love boys, but you know, I'm grateful I've got girls. They just sort of play and, you know, they knit and they do things. So who likes women? Yeah. Come on, ladies. That's for you. Yeah. Um, if you've got a Bible, could you turn almost exactly to the middle of your Bible and go to the book called The Song of Solomon. I love this book. Um, the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs it's sometimes called, is a book that is often overlooked. And the simple idea, I'm a simple man, I like things simple. This is written by a king, Solomon, and inspired by the Holy Spirit, this book is like a, uh, it's like listening in to two lovers, two lovers who love each other deeply, the bride and the groom. And we've even had a prophecy about a marriage. Huh? It's almost like God's real or something, and he sets up these things. So who's in the mood for a little romance today? Yeah, I knew you would be. You like that. And uh, the Bible, if you're new to Christianity, um, I remember coming to a church just like this 19 years ago as an atheist. I did not believe in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit ambushed me. You know, he grabbed me and he pulled me into the kingdom. Hallelujah. And um, the Bible uses wonderful pictures metaphors to help us understand the bigness of what it is to be a Christian. Because it's so easy to think, I'm now a Christian, and that means I'm forgiven, and I get into heaven. You know, we can think that, can't we? We reduce it down to this little tiny thing. I'm a Christian, and therefore what it means is I'm now, I think I'll get into heaven when I die, right? And what this beautiful, beautiful, glorious, unique, stunning authoritative book that we come under, this holy book that we come under, what it does is, from the beginning to the end, 
in a whole different way. Page after page is there to broaden our perspective so that we can never, we can never fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a Christian, I'm just forgiven, and I'll get into heaven. This book will not allow you to do that, friends. It won't allow you to do it. If you even just slightly read it, it does this. It expands your soul and your mind so that even if you are the most unemotional person by nature, I would boldly say you cannot be a Christian and read this book and not allow the beauty and the majesty and the glory of the way that God wants us to understand what happened when you became a Christian. It is not possible. He uses so many pictures. One of them we've been singing. I could preach on that one. You are a good, good father. Hallelujah! Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Hallelujah! I mean, I have been a Christian 19 years. And with all of them getting ready to move to America and all the visas and my wife got very sad, she didn't want to go and it was exhausting last summer. I said yes, I'd handed in my job and then my wife said, no, I don't want to go. And I was like, ah, exhausting, terrible few months. And the visa's complicated and I'm sad because I love England and, you know, the church is, it's, it's complicated, right? My kids are sad. November, I reached this breaking point. And I drive in my car to a little country lane in England and I cry and I cry and I cry. And I'm so tired, I just fall asleep for two hours. You know that anyone had those times in life where you're just, I just, I'm so trying so hard to keep going and to be strong and I just had nothing left. And I fell asleep. And when I woke up, clear as day, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, in your life, you're actually going to always have these kind of difficulties and trials. They're not just going to magically go away. The great secret is to know the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness, the mercy of your Father. You could say in one word, grace. Now, we all know grace Oh, heard that before. And I'd heard it a thousand times. But in November, the Father started to show me one, just one picture, just one way we understand what it is to be a Christian is I am now his son, or his daughter. I'm a child of God. And he is my, can I say this, my dad? Can we say that with reverence? But he is my dad, my papa, my abba. And I tell you, I found myself journaling, saying, what... What does this tell me he is like? Not what any other earthly father has been like. What does, what does this Bible from cover to cover tell me about what this father is like? And I just started to write simple but truth words like he is kind. He's merciful. He is gentle. He never brings condemnation. He is other focused. He isn't self-obsessed. He's generous. He's joyful. He's happy. He's humorous. Where did humor come from? You guys like to laugh. I love this country. Everyone's like, <laughs> woo, boom, 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 pressing your horns. It's great. 
I saw a guy fall off his bike two days ago. Whoa! He goes under a, a scooter, under a scooter. Within 10 seconds, they're shaking hands, laughing. I'm like, only in India. This is a great country. <laughs> I love this. In England, it'd be like, ah! It's brilliant. So anyway, you love humor. Where does that come from? You're so joyful. You may not even know it. I was at the Hindi service earlier on. They're so full of joy. You're, 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 you love joy. And that comes from our Father. And what I'm trying to say is my journey has been starting to really taste and see that the Lord is good. Just, do you know what I'm saying? Taste. Not think. Although I'm not against my mind. Today the Lord wants us to taste afresh. He's a father. We are his children. You know, the New Testament emphasizes, I would say, that we have one right now. One right. John chapter 1. You have been given the right to be called sons of God. Children of God. And that's the only right that we need. Why is that important, Tom? I tell you why. You see, I have been a church leader for many years, and people say, oh, Tom, you're a father figure to me, and I've got children. I can, I'm a father. Yeah, I like that. You know, I'm a leader. I like the feel of that. And what happens is I start to think too highly of myself. I start to think I'm special. I start to think I'm, I'm the savior. Yeah? I'm the strong one. And the Lord has been saying, no, 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 no. You're my son. Do you see? You see, you see if, you, if you see yourself as a son or a daughter, what that means is, listen, children are affirmed by their parents. They're affirmed. They are secure. They are provided for. You see, if you see yourself primarily as a father or a mother, primarily, spiritually, you will still feel like you have to deliver. And that means that you have this life of feeling terribly responsible. I'm all, I'm responsible. I feel, I have this over-responsibility thing in my life. Anyone here know that? Me and my wife, every problem in the church, in the world, we have to solve. And so we live, like <laughs> Christian, Hallelujah, I'm a son. Amen? My dad, my father, he has got the plans. He has got the sat-nav on the journey for the holiday. He knows where we're going. He has the provisions. But there is a metaphor I want us to look at today. Not just that we are his children and he is our father. I want us to look at what it is to actually be married. Oh, married. Anyone's here and you're married or you aspire to getting married. Wow, Christian marriage is this picture of the most sacred of unions between God and his people, between Jesus and his bride. And King Solomon, as he wrote this, this incredible book, it, it, it bounces between what she says the lady, we don't know exactly who she is, but perhaps she's someone that King Solomon loved and was in relationship. We just don't know who she is. And, it, and it, it moves between what she says about her love and what he says about her. 
And it's so powerful because we can all resonate. We can resonate with these images that we're going to look at for a few moments today. And as they fill our gaze, we start to realize that every single human marriage is actually a tiny picture of how he wants us to see our relationship with him. Now let me just say everything for the men here who are going, oh no, Am I, I'm part of the bride? I'm a man, Tom. How can I? Listen, get over it. Just get over it. Sometimes the Bible says we're all sons of God and all the women go, oh, okay, I'll try. Hey, do you understand? We have to, as men, even if you think you're the most man ever, there is something in almost the beauty and the romance of this picture that we all have to get into. Let me just start to look at this. And I want to look at two things that we see here, just two this morning, about this Jesus, this lover, this husband, that you individually, if you are a Christian, and us together as his family, now need to know. And listen, I really mean this, you need to know this. As our brother rightly said in the middle of worship, we're singing you're a good, good God. The easiest thing, the biggest mistake is to think, I know that, I've got that, Tom. I've come for, for more stuff, yeah? More information. You don't need more information. You're well taught, I'm sure. What we need is to live, deeply live with these simple truths in our hearts. It's two things I just want to draw from this book today, and then we're going to pray for each other. I've called this the loving and the leaping Lord Jesus, our partner, our groom, our husband, the Lord Jesus who laid down his life for us, first of all, we see here, he deeply, deeply loves you. Look here, verse 2 of chapter 1. This is her saying these words. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out, and therefore virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run the king has brought me into his chambers. Oh, there is so much here. Starts here, she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Okay. Can I ask, does anyone here like to kiss? Can, can I say this in church, be new? I hope so. I'm saying it. It's in the Bible. Does anyone here like to kiss? Yeah, I... There is something about this idea of kissing that is so stunning. You see, even before a man and a woman kiss, there is something about romance and the building up when you like each other that God wants us to say, that's not just like this little thing I've given you, it's to tell you about my love for you. You see, I, this is a romantic, I think this is a romantic city. I might be wrong. I, 
I, I, I, it feels like that anyway to me. It feels like love is in the air at times. I saw this couple on a bridge late last night as I was driving over to have a meal. And they were like... <laughs> I thought, they're on their first date! Yay! This is great! I remember with my wife, we'd been friends for years, and we went on our first... It wasn't a date, because she didn't know I liked her, but well, she kind of did, but she knew, but she'd said... I, I'm not sure about you. Thanks. So we went for a drive to the beach and we came back. And I thought, whew, whew, come on, Tom, you can do this. And I vividly remember I was driving the car and she was on her fo- phone to her friend. And um, in a great moment of boldness, I put my hand whew, just there on top of hers. And I tell you, it was unbelievable. Seriously, I vividly remember that. Any of you remember the first time? Oh, come on, guys. Yeah, you love It's amazing. It was just this. There it was. Let alone the first kiss. We won't even go there. This picture here of, she's saying, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Now listen, some of you are like, no, this is too intimate. Can we say that Jesus kisses us? Yeah. We can say Jesus in his life and his death and his incarnation was God's kiss to the earth. Hallelujah. It was God saying, I so love the world. I'm not just going to stand back and hope you somehow sort yourselves out. I'm going to give my son. I'm going to kiss the, the world. Oh, it's an amazing image when you think about what it is that this image here, that God wants us to be inspired by. This was Hudson Taylor. You know, Hudson Taylor he was an amazing... This was his favorite book of the Bible. By miles, because it stirs your soul afresh when you're all stuck in your head. My relationship with God. This one line, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. God wants his church to rise up and say, kiss me. Do you understand? Every human kiss between a human is a tiny reflection, a warm-up. It's like a kind of faint echo of what genuinely God has died for. This is not a small thing. He came to embrace us. He didn't come to just be near us. He came to embrace us, to, 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 to enter into. It talks in the, in the Bible about being in Christ. We're intimately with him. When you become a Christian, your, body, your, your, your spirit rather joins with Jesus for eternity. Amen. I mean, come, this is intimate language beyond conception. But he says, he, this wonderful picture, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You see, there is something about intimacy with Jesus. We, we, we try and go to every, everywhere else for kisses, don't we? For affirmation. We go to everywhere else for a sense of feeling significant. You know, we go to our own works. And all the time, our Lord says, I want, I want a church. And I can sense it in this church. I can sense it in this man. We were talking about... Him. And I could just sense, just thinking, Vino is a man. You were saying there was a time when I could prophesy over anyone. I want that back. Hallelujah. And I want that back. I want to live in a place where I can hear the voice of my, my beloved. Oh, straight away, clean, all the time. There is an intimacy here. 
that the Lord wants for you. He wants for you. He did not die so that you would have a life where you are unsure of his love for you. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. That's a big thing to say. I like wine. I think wine is going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. It talks about that. Wonderful. It's a gift. But your love is, is far greater than even just wine. The things that people go to wine for, he's saying, wine's fine, it's okay. But actually, your love, your love, your intimacy is so much greater than even that. I believe for some of you here today, you're so tired. You're so tired. And it's because, honestly, the Lord wants you to embrace his kiss of you afresh. That there's a sense in which you think, I, I, what you're saying I think is theologically true, Tom, but my soul, my soul feels dry, and I yearn, I yearn afresh to know the embrace of my wonderful Jesus. Your anointing oils are fragrant. It's amazing imagery. Coming in this room today, it's a beautiful smell. It's like a lemony, lovely smell. And my favorite food in the whole world, curry. You know in England, by a thousand miles, the most popular restaurant food, Indian. By miles. You're Indian up here, then you've got kind of Chinese and Mexican and pizza. Everyone the smell when you walk in of curry. I'm in heaven. I mean, all I can say is the greatest food in the world. And, you can, and there's this sense of smell. There's something about smell. Saying it's almost like you should be able to smell the presence of your beloved. Yeah, it says in the Bible that we are the fragrance of Christ. And so we need to be those that you see, to smell someone, you, you need to be close. Unless they've really squirted a lot on. <laughs> and it's too much. But if you need to be close, do you understand? You, you need to be close to someone to be able to smell the fragrance of your Jesus. Can you still smell him? Metaphorically. Is, is it, if I was to ask your wife, for us to ask your husband, is, 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 do, you think, do you think she or he feels that level of intimacy? Or is it just starting to wane? Your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. And therefore virgins love you. I love this. Draw me after you. Let us run. Look at this line. The king has brought me into his chambers. Wow. She's saying this king has not brought me into a meeting room, hasn't brought me into a boardroom. He's brought me into his chambers. That's his bedroom. The place of great intimacy. Isn't that amazing? He wants to bring each of you daily, hourly, not just into the outer courts, into his chambers. Oh, some of you are right now hearing this and you go, hmm. And he longs, 
He longs that each of us would live with that deep sense in our hearts of, do you know what? Even if everyone else around me, the kiss of everyone else is corrupt. It's, it's conditional. Well, my parents kind of love me if I do well. My spouse loves me if I do X, Y, and Z. If I perform. My work love me as long as I'm there at 6 a.m. and work till 7 a.m. Do you see? The world's love, the world's kiss, the world's intimacy is so conditional. Ah, Jesus. He adores you. He adores you. Now this is, and if you, and this, you see, this is why if your life you have the high calling of being single, you, all of us, are beckoned into this divine romance. This is not, this is not peripheral, this is not, you know, a side issue. This is the great central call of every Christian's life. I honestly don't care how much of the Bible you know. I don't care, ultimately. I don't care if you're super gifted. In my life, I have so often looked at gifted men and said, wow, what a rock star. I want to be like them. And I have realized that is not the measure that God cares about. He cares about how much you love him and how much you love others. Period. How much we love him and how much one person at a time we love others. The king has brought me into his chambers. So many of us can live as orphans. As Christians, we can live. I don't know if I really hear God. I, so many of us can almost live off other people's spirituality. We live off Venus. We live off this vibe of this church. I come and yeah, it keeps me going. Oh, I want to cry. Because you're so precious to him. Every single man, woman and child in this church, in this city, in this world. He wants everyone to be brought into his chambers. That was the secret of Jesus. He knew his dad's voice. Even when the crowds had deserted him and externally he was failing, he was in the chambers with his father. There's so much I could say on this. But I want to finish by just highlighting another second aspect of what it is to be loved by this Jesus. It's not just that he's someone who loves us. I've used this slightly curious word, perhaps. He is a leaping Jesus as well. Turn with me just over the page. I love this. I've got to, I've got to mention this. I can't go without mentioning this other aspect of this. Your husband is like this, okay? Your great ultimate husband is like this. The one who God wants to shape your life more than even your earthly partner, if you have one, or your your friends or your parents, they are good things often, but the great dominating or shaping influence of your life is Jesus. Is Jesus. Amen? And he is, first of all, loving, as I've said, but secondarily and finally, he is leaping. What do I mean by that? Look here in verse 8. This is again her speaking about her beloved. She says this, The voice! Of my beloved. Behold, he comes. 
It's what Julie says about Venu every day. Behold, here he comes. Not really. Leaping over the mountains. <laughs> Bounding over the hills. Dad's home. Woo! I can tell her this afternoon I will. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Hallelujah. She is now describing another aspect of this Jesus. And the energy is what all the commentators say is trying to come through here. He is loving. He, and for some of you, what I'm trying to say with that first point is you need to learn the rest of just being loved even if you do nothing. That's what I'm trying to say, is to know he's in charge. He's your beloved. He's the one who wants to kiss you and do all things. But what we see here now is this, is this changing gear in the Scripture. We need to see this dramatic changing gear. Going through the gears. Because this Jesus that when you become a Christian, you become married to, as a church, you are married to, you are shaped by, the senior pastor of this church is like this. He is full of love more than anyone else and he wants to kiss you and embrace you and woo you. Hallelujah! Come on, hallelujah! That's amazing news. I'm not sure this has come through yet. This is really big news. Because you will always try and go somewhere else for love. And I'm, and I'm pleading with you to learn. For all of us together to say, no, no, no. He is the one that must kiss me. I must know his intimacy. I must smell him. I must feel him. I want to be in the inner chambers. I mean, the language God's trying to use is really, really amazing and intimate. He's saying, that's for you, friends. Now, today, not when you just get to eternity and you suddenly see him. Now through the Holy Spirit. But we also see this joyful picture, this amazing picture. You know, I don't know that much about wildlife. Do you have stags and deers? You do. That's a relief. Good. So you know, so here we see a gazelle. The idea, apparently a young stag is, can run at 36 miles an hour, which is incredible. I had no idea. It can leap over an eight-feet wall, Obviously has those huge, great antlers. Incredibly powerful, incredibly agile, incredibly majestic. And she is saying now, when she thinks about her beloved, she's saying, do you know what? He's also like this amazing, energetic gazelle. And this is the truth of the gospel, friends. When we were dead in our sins, when we were doing nothing, he was the energetic one. Hallelujah. God acted. God spoke. He didn't just create this world. He caused new creations. It's amazing to think that for God to create this whole world ultimately cost him nothing. Do you know that? It wasn't hard for him. The Bible tells us he didn't break into a sweat. He just did it. But for him to create one new creation, it cost him dying. Come on. That's mind-blowing. He, he could have created Pluto and Jupiter and Earth and the skies and everything. And he didn't even, he just there, created it, spoke it. But for him to create one new creation, someone who would actually love him, someone who wouldn't ignore him and sin, but would delight in him and pursue holiness, just one Christian cost, the, the, the price tag for that, the energy required, was death of God on a cross. Oh! <gasps> That's how precious you are. That's how special you are. Hallelujah! That's good news. You are not insignificant, sister or brother. You are so significant. God laid down his life 
easy to create the world, cost him everything to create you. Oh, wow. I love that. If you ever think, I don't know if God loves me, can I lovingly say, be quiet. He does love you. He gave his life. My daughters are everything to me. I would not let anything happen to them. And the fact that the father and the son said, hey, I'm going to give my life. Almost for me, the greater wonder is the father saying, let's do it. You know? It just blows my mind. It's the energy of the incarnation. This image is saying, when you think of Jesus coming to earth, he's like this gazelle. He's like this wild, glorious, young stag. You think about, sometimes we think about Jesus is like, hello, I'm Jesus. I'm just all relaxed and kind of do, 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 do. And he obviously was relaxed. But the energy, his teaching, the brilliance of his teaching, he was the most intelligent man that's ever lived. Do you know that? That's Jesus. He was God as well as man. He was a genius of all geniuses. He was the most brilliant artist, the most brilliant creator, the most brilliant friend, the most brilliant preacher, the most wonderful man, the most brilliant team leader. He had everything. He's God. This is our Jesus, and we are not ashamed of him. He is God, and he is glorious unlike all others. And this picture, I've never seen it before. This amazing picture of the energy of Jesus. And the ultimate demonstration, you know where this is going, is when he defeated sin and death itself. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I hate death. Death scares me. It scares me. I don't like it when I think naturally about my daughters dying, or me dying, or my wife dying. When I hear about many people dying on the trains every day, in your busy, I th- death, and Jesus has defeated death. He is the only man who said death should not be here, and I will prove to you that no longer will death reign, but life can reign instead. This is the message that we have. This is the energy. You see, when you are truly loved, when you really, really, really know the love of God bubbling up in your soul, you kind of have to tell everyone. You don't have to be told to tell everyone, although it's good to be told. This is why the vision of this church is so wonderful, such dynamite. It isn't just vertical, loving God, great stuff, amazing. We love God. It is then, boom, the nations, every nation, tribe and tongue, we're going. We've got, we're a local church with a global vision. Hallelujah. Who is up for this church, birthing churches, not just across India, although praise God for that, but why not in Africa? Why not in, in Brazil? Why not in Japan? Why not in America? Why not in England? Hallelujah. Anyone here not excited about that? Yeah. Come on, guys. You are alive at an amazing time in history. It's the end of the ages, is what Jesus said. And you are living right now at the most exciting age that has ever existed. And this gazelle, our leader, our great prince of peace, the one who is leading us onwards with amazing plans, amazing purposes, and his wisdom is infinite. Thank God our hope is not in leaders. It is in Jesus. It is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is not in our children. Our hope is not in our business. Our hope is not in Mumbai or in India or in our government. Ultimately, it's in Jesus. He is the one, the leaping glorious Lord who who dances over us and has all power and all majesty and he is worthy to be praised. Who wants to give their life for that Jesus afresh today? Should we stand to our feet? Maybe the band could lead us um, in a song. Sorry, I've got a bit excited to apologize.
like a good, good father. Respond, and you just feel like, yeah, something in my heart is resonating with what you're saying. Perhaps you just feel quite tired, and that you've, you've kind of not felt the kiss of Jesus for a long time. Hey, he's here. He's here. You don't need a high priest. You don't need me. You don't need any leaders. It's you and your wonderful partner, your wonderful beloved. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to receive from our wonderful Father. And if that's you, I just want you just to join me in reaching out your hands in just a moment. But perhaps you also just feel like, do you know what? I, I also, or maybe I, I more feel, I've just kind of got a bit stuck. My life's a bit predictable, you know? Maybe you've got your five-year, 10-year, 15-year plan and you know what you're going to do. Well, can I humbly say, the Lord likes to turn tables over. He likes to change things. And I tell you, I believe the Lord wants to send many men and women from this church. He's done it against all my best efforts to hold everyone in Canterbury in England. Hundreds of men and women have been sent to go and to start gospel communities and churches and wonderful word and spirit churches all over the world in Finland, in France, in Serbia, in New Zealand, in America, in Canada. I can't control it. And I believe that an application of what we're hearing is that even if you don't physically go, that there's a going in your heart. That when we hear about our sister going, and we, we, that you're not just going, slipping out the back door. What's happening is God is moving you somewhere. This is a big deal. We're with you. We don't forget you. We pray for you. We say, what is the Lord going to do? It's not just a job thing. It's a kingdom thing. Do you understand? It's a mentality and it requires faith, friends. It requires faith. If you just want a, a small, neat, inward-looking church, this is not the church for you. We are believing that the Lord wants to blow on us. He really does. It's a big vision we're living with. It's audacious and it's going to require, as we see friends go at times, as we see people go to different sites, we go, oh, they're not here anymore. Yeah, it's painful, but we have a God who is a leaping God. He is full of energy, full of joy. So if you feel like either one, you just want to respond today, would you hold out your hands? And I want to pray for us here today before we sing a final song, just as a physical demonstration that you're vulnerable, that you're needy, that you haven't got it all together, but you need your Father afresh today. Beautiful, beautiful Jesus. There's no other name like you. We bless you, Father, for drawing us into this amazing marriage. Oh, intoxicate us, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that over these next few weeks, months, and years, the fragrance of Christ will rest on every man, woman, and child in this church. I pray for greater increase of your presence here. The thick, tangible presence of the healing of God in this place where hearts have grown weary and dry let the rivers start to run afresh the rivers of your glory start to run afresh some of you just just your your hands have grown a little tired and the Lord's saying you know what I want to come into your inner being afresh even now in these last few moments and just drink and taste and see that the Lord is good throw off everything that would hinder friends throw it off if you've been looking to other places other places to receive that sense of intimacy or significance I just lovingly say Lord lift it off them today 
lift it off us as a people. Your, your burden is light and your yoke is easy. Lead us on, Lord, as we drink from you. Let us be those that pass out, Lord. Pass out into the, the highways and the byways, into the towns, cities, rural areas of India. Lord God, thank you that you're a loving and a leaping Lord Jesus. Bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.